0: Okay. Now it's recording. Um, so how are things? Is there anything you'd like to share? It's good to see you.
1: Good to see you. Good to be with you all. Um, everything's good here. Um, my health is good. Very good. So that's positive. And um, I finished writing the, uh, my uh, commentary on Brahma's prayers, mm. which is in a, one of the appendixes of my book. And now I'm starting, but I think we'll see, it'll be the last appendix, which is uh, concerning ananga Manjari and uh, Balaram, the tattva of ananga Manjari. So that's a very interesting and somewhat controversial subject, but um, I look forward to writing it. That's what I've been up to. What other questions this morning?
0: Sure. Um, so Jiva Goswami has a question. Okay. You want to unmute yourself,
2: Jiva Goswami? Yeah, you got it. Good morning and reverences. Good morning. Amharaj. Good to see you again. Good to see you. <clears throat> I've been thinking a lot about our conversation from last week to give my question now a little bit of context. So my question is, if we see someone suffering from a lack of basic material needs. Do we try to reach them spiritually, even if it's trying to meet their basic material needs first, and then maybe down the line their spiritual needs? And I and I thought about this question in the context of different West and East, so to speak, that maybe in India there are temples who receive uh, less privileged people or people who are looking for basic material needs. Um, and it's, cu- it's more culturally ingrained to go to a temple, whereas in the West, people, uh, homeless people or uh, people with, not, with lesser needs, with more needs, actually, more material needs might turn to a church. So as devotees, what is our role there?
1: What is our role in relation to people who are disadvantaged in comparison to ourselves and in material need, perhaps, yeah. uh, to a greater extent, and thus, perhaps more preoccupied with the material need than they are with the idea of a comprehensive solution? To-
2: right, exactly. I, I heard you talk in one of your lectures about a comprehensive solution. So could you also talk about that?
1: Yeah. Well, um, first of all I would say that uh Vaishnavas by nature are of course compassionate. They're considered to be the the manifestation of Krishna's Kripa Shakti, through which his his mercy, his his kindness, his compassion is uh uh distributed, given that Krishna stays within the orbit of his own swarup Shakti, or the orbit of his own devotees interaction with himself so again he extends that circle through the medium of those devotees in this world who are naturally um, uh, compassionate that said uh, well uh, we could, we can also look at the idea that the devotees are compassionate in uh, the uh, idea of bhakti Thakur, in which he has stated that the essence of dharma dharma sar Sarvadharma Sar, the essence of all Dharma is Jiva Doi Krishna Nam. Jiva Doi Krishna Nam Sarvadharma Sar. So compassion to Jivas and Krishna Nam, Nam Kirtan, um, uh, embracing these two things are the essence of, of Dharma. So compassion is kind of built into uh, Vaishnavism. Uh, given very much so that uh, as a result of compassion, they themselves are are involved in it. And uh, that said, um, there are, I would say, two two senses in which that compassion of the Vaishnavas may be uh, expressed. Um, One is the sharing of a comprehensive solution,
3: Hmm?
1: Uh, directly sharing a comprehensive solution in the form of teaching about uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's dispensation, helping people to uh, uh, participate in that directly and so forth. And then uh, the second form of it is the natural compassion expressed by them in circumstances that they're confronted with in the course of their pursuance of, of of bhakti, uh, an example for, of that might be that sometimes Prabhupada, when being driven, uh, let's say, from vrindavan to the airport in Delhi to fly out, uh, uh, it's not uncommon in the traffic uh, as it slows in the city to be approached by beggars, hmm? uh, disabled people, Um, and and, and so forth. And um, it wasn't uh, uncommon of Prabhupada to tell his uh, somebody in the car or he himself to give some rupees to that person. So obviously, um, he's not directly involving them in a comprehensive solution. He is catering to uh, their more immediate, if you will, uh, material problem which is a symptom of the larger disease of material conditioning. Hmm. But uh, he's doing it naturally in a situation where the opportunity to do so um, arises without uh, moving out of the main flow of his uh, preoccupation, which is to feed, if you will, or nourish, those who have an appetite in the immediate for a comprehensive solution—a comprehensive mm-hmm. solution meaning meaning to in fully embrace Bhakti, to become a transcendentalist, um, to come to the conclusion that, as I've written uh, and spoken in the past, that if I, uh, you know, free the fly from the web of the spider, you know, I've taken away the spider's dinner.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, it's like, wow, if I, if I try to solve the problem here, it creates another problem there. And this is very, the very nature of material existence. So mm-hmm. again, the broader picture is rather than there's a lot of problems in the world, the world itself is a problem. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there, there's the direct approach to a comprehensive solution. Uh, Poojapaj Sridhar once said, well, what shall I do? Uh, shall I leave those who hunger for a comprehensive solution? to go and start a soup kitchen for those who are hungry, who are actually suffering, and knowing the pain of hunger, I can empathize with them and feel compassion for them, but should I uh, leave uh, those and stop ministering to those who want a, a full meal or a solution to give a solution to other people, even though they may be the majority, there may be more hungry people than there are people hungry for Krishna consciousness but still there are some hungry for Krishna consciousness. So there's a place to uh, spend um, the better part of one's time or to be preoccupied, um, a group to be preoccupied with um, for those who are capable of ministering, if you will, on that that level. And if not, there's much room for others to be assisting those who are capable of of doing so. Hmm? Opening temples, uh, circulating their literature, uh, f- helping to fund those services, and so on and so forth. But again, uh, the two types, if you will, the t- or the two tiers of compassion, there's there's naturally some some overlapping, if you will. Now, the more that one's compassion um, veers towards the side of being preoccupied. With the symptoms of the disease of material identification, in the form of hunger and social injustice and 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 such, um, then the more one's compassionate nature takes one in that direction and out of the flow, if you will, of direct uh, involvement in bhakti and in bringing about a comprehensive solution if, if by nothing else by one's own example hmm, how to solve all the problems of life all the economic problems political problems i mean a sadhu virtually uh, his or her example uh, you know illustrates that that's possible of course you might say well it's not practical for everybody but uh uh not maybe not in the immediate but uh, it should be seen as an ideal but again the more that one is is um, lacking in an ability to, be, to identify with pursuing and in directly sharing a comprehensive solution, they may be thereby in their compassionate nature as a devotee drawn towards, like your wife was speaking about uh, last week, uh, ministering directly towards a problem like social injustice in the world. So there's a way to do that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that could be considered what Jiva Goswami refers to as Sangha Siddha Bhakti. Mm-hmm. You have Surup Siddha Bhakti, you have Aropa Siddha Bhakti, and you have Sangha Siddha Bhakti. Surup Siddha Bhakti is hearing, chanting, worshipping the deity, um, these types of activities that are inherently bhakti and have inherent spiritual power, regardless of intention, uh, how, they're, how they're performed. are mm-hmm. Uh, Sisupal was en- envious of Krishna. He thought of Krishna, smarnam, all the time, constantly. He chanted his name constantly. That Krishna, that Krishna, that Krishna. He says he's this Krishna. He says he's that that Krishna. So uh, he was preoccupied with sad- Sangha Siddha Bhakti, although he didn't have the right mood. Still, there was a benefit. There are other activities that are karmic in nature. They're either Vedic karma or they're, they're just ordinary activities. Hmm? like sleeping um, and so forth whatever it may be the Gita speaks of these things when it says whatever you do whatever you do whatever you have give away whatever if you offer it to offer it to me Krishna says that's a rope siddha bhakti where you take karmic activities that are not inherently bhakti and you assign bhakti to them by way of doing those activities, for the pleasure of Krishna. Hmm? Um, And then Sangha Siddha Bhakti is where you combine things with Bhakti as assistance to Bhakti, to engage in Bhakti. So uh, even giving donations, let's say, is Sangha Siddha Bhakti. Hmm? If I give a donation so that a temple, so that the deity can be worshipped rather than worshipping the deity, to do archan is one thing, to give donations so that archan can go on, so someone else can fa- be facilitated to do it. Uh, that, that's Sangha Siddha Bhakti. So that, that activity um, is, becomes uh, associated with bhakti and, and, and the Yanga Bhakti is carried out. So compassion, Sangha Siddha Bhakti is like karma done for Krishna. Sangha Siddha Bhakti, like Gyan, more Gyan side, there's karma, there's karma and there's Gyan to it, but but assisting Bhakti. So, compassion hmm, for ordinary people, or compassion on the second tier that I mentioned, you know, uh, ministering to the problems rather than to a, a comprehensive solution to all problems, or ministering to one of the problems, or uh, or the, or or to to the symptoms could be um you know in the form of Sangha siddha bhakti where a vaishnava does those those things and in doing those things like ministering to someone uh, for uh, uh to uh, improve social justice bring about social justice or to help the hungry uh, and, and with a view to you know set an example at the same time, by which those persons will become interested in bhakti and what they're about, and so forth. So you, you know, you could kind of, uh, kind of try to include it in, in that way. So those are a few thoughts on uh, the topic. Have I answered it for you, or is there something left that you want to get further clar- clarification on?
2: Thanks for giving me the chance to follow up. Is it also Part of the of the idea or the consideration that the one who s- sees the problem of social injustice or hunger needs the service in order to purify. That there are problems out there for our own benefit, so that we may, so that the devotee can react and um, by that, by and that is the means through which one purifies themselves.
1: Well, uh, everyone has to act according to their eligibility, their adhikar. Hmm? Mm -hmm. So everyone may not be able to be fully engaged in bhakti Hmm? Um, because of their level of adhikar. So they may have to do other things and and those things in such a way that they become become purified. So if I realize I'm a devotee, but, you know, I'm really drawn, you know, to uh, help, uh, you know, Whales because they're being slaughtered somewhere or something like that and so um, you know then then there's going to be some you're, you're not in, you're involved in something that's karma producing I mean one of the problems <laughs> I mean yeah uh, <laughs> um, someone pointed out to me the other day well you know if you do if you're concerned about being a privileged person, and therefore you do good things to others to help you know, even the, the playing field and so forth, what's going to happen is you're going to become that much more of a privileged person <laughs> going forward. You're going to get good karma for that. Your next life, you're going to be even more privileged. You're going to be even more privileged. Um, it, 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 so uh, involvement in karmic activities is going to bring a karmic reaction. But there's, I think there's a way, if you're a devotee, and you honestly understand, this is the limits of my ability to be consumed by my by, by bhakti, and to an extent I'm being consumed by other um, uh, uh, issues. In this case, we're talking about compassion for people in the world in general. I mean, it's a sort of strong pull of one's good parabdha-karma, um, you know, there's a way to do that. It's something you have to do, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So you have to play it out. Mm-hmm. And the reaction in one sense would be more good karma, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't a solution to the whole karmic problem. But because you're also a devotee, mm-hmm. I think that in the context of doing that, you can also minister to people to some extent. I think that would be natural for devotees to do that as you interact with such people and so forth and share with them what you're about. So there could be some mitigating uh, factor there of bhakti that is combined with the kind of lower tier of compassion that you're involved in that mitigates the karmic, um, uh, response. Um, but it's all based on intention and, um, and everyone's different, and, and and so on and so forth. So the extent to which bhakti is actually a factor in whatever we do is the extent uh, to which the we're going to be purified in the sense of becoming freed from karmic burden, good or bad. Hmm? And the extent to which the karmic involvement is exceeds that of bhakti is the extent to which, even if it's good karma, there's going to be more good karma that comes from it. Now it's possible that I mean, not that they, in, in good karma does not produce produce bhakti. So, um, those are all things to for the serious devotee to take into consideration.
2: So, my question, another question that I've had in relation to this is, what is the purpose of the guru's teaching? Is it just to uh, expand bhakti as a way of service to Krishna for the jivas out of the, out of, uh, Krishna's compassion for the jivas.
1: What is the purpose of teaching bhakti?
2: Right. What is the purpose of teaching bhakti? Cause you could say, okay, well I have bhakti, I'm just going to do bhakti for me. Um, and that way I'm serving Krishna, but I'm not concerned about the, the rest of the jivas.
1: Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, uh, um, bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was fond of, of thinking of, uh, of preaching as uh, kirtan. Hmm? Mm-hmm. So kirtan is the prominent anga of bhakti, um, and there are different forms of kirtan, you know, reciting the bhagavatam, doing harikata, for those who have an, an appetite for that is, you know, so that is something that devotees do, satam prasangam mamavirya bido. Abundi Kayana Rashayana Kata. in the Sangha of devotees, this is what happens. They do harikata. So they open the Bhagavatam, they discuss it. Hmm? They discuss the Gita and 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 amongst themselves, Katayantas Chamnityam Tushanticha Ramanticha. They mutually enlighten one another. This is basically what they do. Now obviously in doing that, they form a Sangha, an association, they get together. Hmm? And people are going to be, you know, drawn into that who aren't particularly members to begin with, hmm? right? That 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 happens. You know, we, we live in a society, so everyone you know is not a devotee. And you say, today I'm going to the sangha. You know, can I go along and so forth? So other people will naturally get um, included in that, so to speak, as the overflow of that. So that's a form of hari kata, kirtan, hari kirtan. Hmm? Uh, Bhagwat, reciting the Bhagavan is a form of kirtan. Then there's nam kirtan. They get together, they do send kirtan. Hmm? Yeah, they can do it in their home. But the neighbor may hear it across the road, say, what's that you do every day, you know, and so forth. And they hear that and they're, they're benefited. So there's kind of a, a very nature of bhakti is such that as opposed to, let's say, gyan or yoga, to a much larger extent, is is that it shares itself, kind of automatically. The very preoccupation with bhakti on the part of the devotee has an overflow. Hmm? You know, if you establish a deity in your home, people come to your home. They see the deity, so they get the, they get darshan. Hmm? You do kirtan, people hear the kirtan. You people ask what you're about. You explain. So I think that there's there's a built-in kind of overflow to one's own participation in bhakti, and then of course. Uh, we find some great devotees are inclined towards a a greater emphasis on the sharing and sharing uh, bhakti with others is good for one's own bhakti. Hmm? Um, Mm -hmm. Should increase one's one's own bhakti. So they, they kind of, they kind of go together. If you boil milk, it's going to overflow. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Now You know, you know, now it, 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 it it's one thing to preach and it's another thing to market, you know. Just coming up with marketing strategies and, and so on and so forth. Uh that's one that's one thing. Actually giving the teachings to people, sharing the teachings, that's another thing. That's real preaching. A lot of times the preaching just deteriorates into a marketing kind of a strategy. Hmm? And uh, that's uh, they're not quite the quite 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 the same, hmm? and oftentimes the marketers don't understand that, and they don't understand bhakti well enough to be able to actually teach bhakti in a contemporary world and present it in a way that's compelling. And and you know they may even get a world stage to get on the radio or the television, they say nothing. <laughs> We're all friends, we're all together, we all love God, all religions are equal, you know. They say, they say nothing. Um, And they're just kind of marketing, I hope everybody likes us. Let's just be nice so that people like us. And, you know, that's a different thing. I mean, that's a a kind of a corrective that I'm, you know, offering, so to speak, something that I think at at times. Hmm. Does that help?
2: Yes, thank you, Maharaj. Thank okay. you for your
1: Okay, good question. Share my answer with your good wife. Okay, thank
0: you. Yeah, I like yep. that answer too. Um, so Sharada, you have a question? want to so unmute yourself or I can do it. Let me see. Let me
4: see. Maharaj. Yeah. Um, my question is, um, after hearing a talk on chapter 17 of the Chaitanya Terramatta, ter- 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 where the Lord visits Vrindavana and pays obeisances to Vrindavana on this earth, um, it's, uh, it that talk actually went on to say, that's on the video, um, went on to say about the importance of Vrindavana on this earth as compared to you know, the spiritual abode of Vrindavana. And hmm. um, so I was wondering what to do with that idea. I know that there's oneness and difference and there's <laughs> uh, Lord Narayana is, is the plenary portion and exists in the spiritual world. But uh, Lord Krishna had his pastimes here. And um, Lord, it's basically because Lord Chaitanya did pay obeisances and did talk of. I think mentioned or given influence of you know the importance of this earthly Vrindavana as opposed to its Uh world. (laughs) It made me think. You know, I've been to Jagannath Puri inside the temple, but I haven't been to Vrindavana. And I also it made me want to ask this question: What do I do Mm. with this concept? Mm. Carry on.
1: Well our ideal is to live in Vrindavan and that is the most ideal place for bhajan. and there's two ways to do that. One is to live physically in Vrindavan and certainly the Goswamis uh, set that example. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself was very bent on going there and he tried a couple times and and there were obstacles and finally he did go. Um, um, So that example is there Um, and at the same time the Goswamis have Extended that idea of living in Vrindavan, by a way of saying if you can't live there physically, to live there um, mentally, mm-hmm. meditatively, yeah. which is really if you even if you live there physically, but you're not living there meditatively, you're not really living there. Um, uh, you're living on the kind of the surface of it. So it is a meditative um, realm, and um, that Gokul, as it's called, Vrindavan, mm, is also yes the Goswami's teaching is that is that Goloka hmm, is a manifestation of Gokul and but that Gokul is also the center of the lotus of Goloka so the Goloka planet is compared to a lotus and the center is a, of that Gokul and the manifestation of Gokula on Earth, the pastimes there, are basically the same. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's good if you can find a time to go to Vrindavan. Um, (laughs) In many ways, it's very favorable. In many ways, Mm. um, it's cluttered now and uh, certainly less pristine, environmentally speaking, um than it was when the goswamis were living there at which time it was even physically speaking an idyllic place to one's uh, bhajan so if you look at the place where sanatana goswami was doing his bhajan where now the modern Tem- temple is built it's like very you can imagine what it was like 500 years ago overseeing the jamuna from an elevated um um spot completely uh, scenic and uh, serene setting and so forth so there you know i think that you have to take that into consideration that they, they chose very serene settings for themselves in vrindavan but sometimes we find that the dham is manifest and sometimes its manifestation is 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 uh kind of enfolded back and material nature um becomes manifest the course of the ganga for example, and the Bay of Bengal has changed such that now you cannot see the nine islands of Navadvip. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, um, I would say that the Dham manifests and recedes at times according to its own discretion. Um, and in one sense, the Dham is, is, is or Vrindavan is, uh, kind of re- receding a little bit and it's certainly not as serene and peaceful and so there's something to be said for creating a Vrindavan at you know sharanagati Sar- Sar- <laughs> where you are right yeah
4: Try, i'm trying <laughs> you
1: know and, and ultimately it, it, it's a it's a meditative reality so we, we can take advantage of the texts about the Vrindavan leelas of the goswamis become acquainted with the persons there, who is soda, who is Nanda, who is Vishabhan, and start to, re, you know, identify with these people and, and reading from the stuff, the way it works, is really how to enter into Vrindavan, um, which is manifest on earth, which is non-different in the center of the, of the, the world, of the lotus of, of, of Goloka. Does that help?
3: Yes,
4: that's, thank you. Yeah, it's, it was just very beautiful because they talked about, you know, uh, Vrindavana on this earth, that the wind would not even disturb Krishna's pr- footprints, and the cows would not even step on Krishna's footprints. And things like that, you know, made me think, well, what about Vrindavana now? <laughs> you know, where are those footprints? And, but anyway, that's, that's wonderful, thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, certainly when, when Krishna appears in the world, then the Dham is not in a, in a receding mode. It's fully opening, you know, to accommodate his, his pastimes and fully expressing itself. And that's the, what's being described, you know, in, in, in the texts. But it does recede at times. But in fact, Bhakti Mnothapa has said that in Kali Yuga, in particular, holy places will have less power.
4: Okay.
1: So, right, we'll that's
4: it. right. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, thank it's
1: you. one thing, like I said, if the, if the, if the Dham is fully manifest, then it's going to have such power that if you go there, it's going to just draw you in. But if it's, you know, during Krishna's pastimes, for example, therefore devotees who pass from this world and take birth in the Lila on earth, it's such a powerful manifestation of the Dhamma at that time that they're just taken in by the entire environment and their devotional life is perfected. From there they go to, to the apricot the Lila, the unmanifest Lila. Um, but in times when it's less manifest, you know, it's, it, it's arguably not going to have the, the the same effect, hmm? which times we have to you know like I say, uh, draw from the descriptions, hmm? the meditative descriptions of the Goswamis and so forth, and enter in, in 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 our own minds.
4: Right, thank you. It's given me something to think about. I'll leave it there. And, thank you. In
1: or and and to do that, you might have to turn off you know, yeah, mainstream and other media. <laughs> Yes, it <laughs> might About the it's ordinary true. world and all of its goings on, you know.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, it's yeah. not cruel or less lacking in compassion to do that, but uh, it takes some real um, conviction as to the very nature of the world and the fact that if you step down, you press down here, it's going to come up there, and the best thing is to render a comprehensive solution, even if it's only for me. Mm-hmm. That'll be one less person in in material existence and one story that remains for others to hear about. She did this.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: She solved the problem. So mm-hmm. right.
4: okay. thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. You see you my brother
1: Jarro up there?
4: Yes, he's still here. He's got his brother living with him. So see, we have we've had kittens together. Oh well. Thank you.
0: I'll okay. tell him. Um, Okay, wait one second. I have to just, um, someone said it in the chat, so I have to open it up in the the next question in the chat. Wait one second. So, let's see. Um, So this is from... Midoriya Smarnam Dasi, and she was wondering, what is the proper consciousness with which we should um, worship slash approach approach Lord Jagannath, given his so intimate and confidential form, meditating in Vrindavan, but at the same time, um, him being in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dwarka.
1: Jagannath Puri is really one moment in the Dwarka Lila. So with regard to the Dwarka Lila, we have to focus on that, that moment. Hmm? Not the entirety of the Dwarka Leela, but that moment in the Dwarka Lila that Krishna, and by extension, seeing his condition, Balaram, and by extension, seeing their condition, Subhadra, are all transformed with in a very extreme sense uh, by uh, sattvika bhavas, hmm? and therefore their configuration, arms being drawn in, eyes wide. This is meant to be depicting, meant to really artistically uh, depict an ecstatic uh, transformation that uh, is brought about by Krishna balaram and subhadra krishna hearing about a uh, others describing the love of the inhabitants of vrindavan for which of course he for whom he has great love and then hearing about them in that environment just serves as a udipana, to inflame that love and bring it to the surface and such extraordinary transformations take place. Balaram sees this, and he undergoes it. So this is this is Jagannath Puri. It's not the whole Dwarka It's this this moment in the Dwarka where Dwarka Krishna is remembering very intensely the Vrindavan um, Leela. and therefore central to the Jag- Jagannath Puri is the Ratha Yatra, which is. Krishna, going from Dwarka to, Br- to Kurukshetra, to where he's ultimately going to meet with the inhabitants of Vrindavan, who come from Vrindavan. And in that meeting, of course, he um, confesses, uh, ultimately, to the gopis as to the fact that he's, he's purchased uh, by them. And while he may be physically, apparently, somewhere else, his mind and heart is always with them. We find uh, also, for example, in the descriptions of Sanatana Goswami um, in Vriyad Bhagavatamrita of Krishna in Dwarka, that in his sleep he is dreaming about the inhabitants of Vrindavan and calling out the names of the devotees there. And his queens uh, are startled and, uh, and waking up to you know, his, um, his chanting the names of his devotees in Vrindavan, so they know that that in these instances that Krishna is more in Vrindavan than he is in Dwarka when he's apparently physically in Dwarka because his, his mind is more taken and preoccupied with Vrindavan. And when that fact becomes prominent and to the surface in instances like this when Krishna overheard I think the queens discussing the love of the gopis or something like that, uh, th- then the it, 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 extraordinary uh, transformation takes place. So this is Lord Jagannath. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw Lord Jagannath, he saw him with a flute and a peacock feather. Hmm? Now we don't typically uh, decorate Jagannath with a flute and, uh, and a peacock feather. Mm-hmm. But Chaitanya Mapa, with his internal vision, Jagannath showed himself like this. Jagannath is, is therefore Krishna. Mm-hmm. And he, he is really in the mood of, of of yearning, longing, and separation for the inhabitants of Vrindavan His eyes are very big and he has no lashes. So he's not blinking, hmm? and he is looking for Radha. Hmm? Where is Radha? Where is Radha? And when Chaitanya Mahabrabhu danced in the Ratha Yatra, and he saw, he saw, ah, this is, this is Radha, and the cart's, cart stopped, hmm? right? So this is Jagannath uh, from the Gaudiya conception. There are, of course, many different other conceptions of Jagannath. Therefore, he's called Jagannath, the Nath, the Lord of the of the universe. Hmm. So he's um, looked at in different ways by different um, religious people. Even the Buddhists, tantric Buddhists, um, there are a class of tantric Buddhists that worship Jagannath. So they have a certain conception of who he is. of Maharaj was. Uh, the king of Jagannath Puri during the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Lila, and he witnessed all kinds of people, Hindus, uh, coming to Jagannath Puri and worshipping the Lord of the universe. And they had different religious conceptions, so he was acquainted with all of them. But when he saw from the rooftop the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu coming, um, uh, as they would annually, coming to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and spend the Chaturmasi with him and participate in the Ratha Yatra with them. He saw them coming and dancing in, in, in Namsan Kirtan and he asked, uh, uh, what kind of religion is this? What kind of worship is this? And it was either Sarva Bhoma or uh, Gopinathacharya's his brother-in-law who said, uh, what did he say? Chaitanya Shristi, uh,
3: uh, uh A Prem Sankirtan.
1: Uh, Prem Sankirtan. Hmm. This is the, the Chaitanya Shristi, the this, of Chaitanya, Chaitanya Shrishti, the creation of Chaitanya. It's called Prem Sankirtan. Hmm. So the king had never seen this kind of worship. Hmm. So, what is the view of Jagannath from that vantage point of worship? That's what I'm uh, explaining to you. Does that help? Well, you're on the chat, but if, if you have a further um, question about that, uh, comment. Ribo. Thank you, Professor. Is that good? Okay. Good, thank <laughs> Where are you? Where are you located? Oh, you must be in uh, Argentina. Yes, yeah, I, I in We, we met, met before, before. yeah. Maharaj, <laughs> Maharaj. Okay, good. Jagannath Swami Kijai. Uh, hi. Sridhar <laughs> Marj once described Jagannath Puri mm-hmm. as a, as a train, cra- train crash with Vrindavan, the two conceptions, Dwarka and Vrindavan, crashing together. And Jagannath is the result. Krishna <laughs> has been an accident, <laughs> a transcendental train crash of conceptions. He's in Dwarka, but he's crashing into the Vrindavan uh, conception. It has a very jolting effect upon him. Jai Jagannath, Jai Jagannath, Haribo. (laughs) Thank you. Good question. What else? Um,
0: So Jack had a question that he asked in the chat. And he said, um, I was, oh wait, someone else just commented. I don't know if it was, oh no. so he said, uh, "I was hoping Guru Maharaj could help me under uh, could help me better understand steps a neophyte can take to begin advancing a bit more beyond simply um, reading and hearing. Is there anything recommended?
1: Chanting, mm-hmm. <laughs> reading, and hearing should result in chanting. So my Guru Maharaj." Um, Pujapadesi Bhakti Bhajan Tiswami Prabhupada, he um, uh, felt that it was good for uh, Western people who primarily uh, uh, with, within uh, to whom he launched his you know worldwide campaign. Um, that upon hearing from him or his disciples and so forth, those who became enthusiastic that they would um, uh, begin uh, chanting. Hare Krishna mantra, having heard, hmm, Anamala, and, um, and, um, and set aside, you know, a a specific time of the day for that, and regularly chant, and um, so that would be a next good step. Um, Does that help? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes, very good.
0: And um Krishna Chaitanya has a question.
5: Alright, Krishna.
1: Good morning.
5: Uh my question is about the priya narma Sakas, and I'm wondering how, as we were listening to the Gopi Gita with Baba and Maharaj a lot and I'm wondering how their Mahababa is, how is it like the Manjuris? Uh, they're said to feel what Radha feels, or when she, experiences something than they do so and I, I'm just kind of wondering what how how is their Mahababa alike with the manjuris and also how is it different and same thing for their Radha Dasya. how is the Priya Narma Saka's service to Radha like the Manjaris and how is it different?
1: Right um. So the question is about friends of Krishna who are in fraternal love for Krishna, but are privy to and involved in and sympathetic towards um, his romantic life. And as such, um, also, uh, besides in the context of being his friends, they also become very closely uh, associated with, um, for example, uh, Radha. Hmm. And they have a, a, a service disposition towards Radha and a friendly disposition towards Krishna. Um, so they they hold Radha in some um uh, uh, some regard. And in that way they're similar to the Munjaris who are who are in romantic love, a very particular kind of romantic love that that isn't um interested in having direct romantic um interludes with, with, with Krishna, but in bringing about romantic um, um, union of Radha and Krishna. So they're handmaidens of Radha. They're so attached to Radha that vicariously they uh, experience what she experiences. They're kind of like, you know, the stigmata uh, idea within, uh, within Christianity. I don't know if it's only within Catholicism or whatnot, but um, where uh, one becomes so identified, as I understand it, with the suffering of Christ that um, there are apparently there are examples of of the symptoms of the uh, crucifixion appearing on their their bodies. Um, so the Munjaris are so preoccupied with bringing Radha and Krishna together, together and particularly with serving Radha's needs, catering to them, uh, needs and moods, which maybe I want to meet with Krishna, I don't want to see him anymore. Okay, then we'll keep him away, uh, as may be, may, be, may be the case. Um, and that's also called Radha Dasyam. It's an extreme form of exclusive sense of... Uh, of uh, service to to Radha, and again, what she experiences romantically with Krishna, they experience vicariously, and they come closer to Krishna romantically in that sense than than another gopi who has direct union with Krishna does, because it will never be as complete as the union of Radha with Krishna, that other gopi being only a partial manifestation of some mood, uh, some aspect, for example, of Radha's love. Hmm? So um, it's very kind of a wise, the math of it is, well, you know, if you want to have romantic love with Krishna, like like Radha does, Chaitanya Mahap Krishna wanted to taste Radha's love for himself. So if you want to get close to that, well, this is the closest way that you, can, you, can, you can't become Radha, and you don't want to become another gopi and have direct union with Krishna, so, uh, but rather to serve Radha, and then through that medium, have the uh, 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 closest thing to what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself came to experience, and as a byproduct, made available to others the experience of Radha's love for Krishna. So this is sometimes called Manjari Bhav, called Radha Dasyam. Um, There are other names for it as well, Uh, Tad Bhav, Ichamai. Madhurya Rasa. So um, now, uh, with regard to their service to Radha, then they're going to do things like to dress Radha, to decorate Radha, um, and so on and so forth, Um, just to give a a simple example. Now, while Subal, the most intimate friend of Krishna, who is a Narmasaka, which you're asking about those type of friends who are in the Leela, Participating in his romantic life, he's also a servant of Radha, but he's not going to dress and decorate Radha. That's not going to be his service. He's not going to have that kind of service. He's going to bring messages to Radha, bear bear Radha's message, um, uh, uh, and and bring it to Krishna as to you know where the prearranged rendezvous is tonight. Uh, Radha's going to send it, give it to Subal, send it through some manjari who's going to give it to Subal, who's going to give it to Krishna, or is going to give it to one of his associates, and say, now you give it to Krishna today. Mm-hmm. Um, tell him where, where where the meeting is going to be. I'm going here, and so forth. So um, uh, While the Narmasakas are also, besides being friends of Krishna and in Sakyarasa, their Sakyarasa extends to participate in his romantic life. And so a touch of that romantic life is impacting, influencing, mixing with their, their Sakyabhava. So, so they're going to serve Radha. And, but in, 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 in ways that I, I mentioned that are obviously different than the ways in which the Manjaris are personally tending to Radha. I mean, there's an, there, the Subhal is an extreme example because in, in Subal's case, there may be an instance where he helps to dress Radha by changing clothes with her because he looks like Radha so that he can, um, stay at home dressed like her, dress him in her clothes and she can escape from the clutches of her mother-in-law to, you know, rendezvous with Krishna, even in the broad daylight. So it's his position is very extreme, but for the most part, this is a just a simple way in uh, explaining the difference in the nature of the service of the Narmasakas to gopis, to Radha in this case, and the Manjaris. And, um, And given the personal service of the Manjaris and and their extreme attachment to Radha, there are different uh, forms of Mahabhav. So uh, Rudha Mahabhav is thought to be exceeded by Rudra Mahabhav and then there are divisions within that in separation and in and in union. And so the full measure of that Mahabhav is um, for the most part thought to be that which the Manjaris can taste whereas the indirect way in which the, I should, I should say, uh, indirect way in which the Narmasakas are involved in, in the romantic love. It's indirect, in a sense, or leisha. It's partial. Hmm? It's partial because they're in sakirasa. Manjaris is not partial participation in the madhurya rasa because they're also in a category of madhurya rasa, of, of romantic love for Krishna.
3: Hmm?
1: So given the difference between partial and 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 and, and complete, there's going to be a measure to which the extreme of Mahabhav is experienced by the narmasakas that is somewhat less in terms of intimacy that it affords and that of the, of the manjaris. Now, what is the difference between ruta-mahabhav and adiruta-mahabhav? Well, these are terms like sneha, like rag, anurag, um, all of which are developments of the dominant emotion in Prem within within Braj, and they develop um, differently for different rasas. That basically um, we can say a few things about. If I was to say everything about them that's said, for example, in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and then um, in Ujbal Nilmani hmm, of Rupa Goswami. Um, i doubt anyone's understanding of them would would grow too much therefore what what the conclusion is that the purpose of taking part in the prakat leela the manifest leela of krishna as the last step the penultimate you know stage the last step before fully entering and fully participating in the unmanifest leela that that being taking birth in a Gopo or gopi form in the Lila, wherever it appears in the world hmm? that is where you can learn about all these things <laughs> hands-on um they're practically impossible to um uh, to experience fully outside of that hmm? and also to uh to explain but suffice to say that there is uh, some slight uh measure of difference between each of these unlimited ecstatic uh, statuses. Uh, the I believe that, um, if I can recall correctly, Rudra Mahabhav might be characterized by the example of being aware of one's blinking.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Because for that split second, one doesn't see Krishna. That's a pretty extraordinary, you know, who was aware of the blinking? What are, what, you had to be looking at something pretty extraordinary hmm, to uh, lament about the time that you missed looking at that while your eyes blinked and curse the creator, Brahma, for making eyes that blink. So, I mean, what does that mean? It, it, you can give an example of this is the Mahabhav... Adi Mahabhav, this is the Rudra Mahabhav. But uh, it, they're just ways of talking about the um, in, intensity of that um, that love. But again, I think suffice to say that you know you have to go there to experience. And furthermore, the, the difference is going to be because one group, the Narmasakas, are in Sakya Bhav, the other group, the Manjaris, are in Madhurya Bhav. So the former group is experiencing indirectly
3: hmm.
1: and um, the latter group is experiencing directly because it's of the same same Rasa. Does that help?
5: Yes. Thank
1: you very much. Okay. Um, I think this might it's called, be... It's called... There's another similarity. I mean, it's called... Um, Tadbhava bhava or anumodanabhava bhava. Anumodana means sympathetic or empathetic. So it's an empathetic kind of love. So the manjaris are empathetic hmm? uh, for uh, and sympathetic to Radha and Krishna's love. But uh, that love is romantic and those those manjaris are, are in a form of the romantic love. Hmm? So their anumodanabhava bhava is going to be not going to be partial. I forget the word for it. It's going to be complete. Whereas the 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 Sakirasa Bhaktas, they have other preoccupations at the same time with Krishna. When Krishna's intensity of love for for Radha, you know, surfaces, for example, then they're they're there for that. Hmm. Um, um, uh, it's kind of like. <laughs> Krishna has a little bit of a life independent of the gopis. Radha doesn't have a life independent of Krishna. Hmm? Krishna has cows to herd. He's got things to do. Hmm? Uh, Radha has other things to do. She's got a husband, but she's, but I mean, you know, she's not absorbed in it at all. Krishna actually does get absorbed in herding cows and playing with his friends and, 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 and uh, and uh, dealing with his parents and so forth, Radharani is 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 very pathetic in comparison. She doesn't have a life. Mm-hmm. Um, so those who are those Anumodana in Anumodana Bhav, attached to Radha's Bhav, they're directly attached to serving it. Mm-hmm. So they get a more um, more comprehensive experience of it. And those in Sakirasa who are sympathetic. Of, and, and are participating in Madhuri Ras of this type, hmm? a sympathetic kind of love, they have a partial experience of it. What else? I guess we're, uh, we're out of time.
0: Yeah, that was the last question.
1: Okay, good. Well, that we
0: have, yeah.
1: God, it could be helpful. Hope yeah. Do Thank you. Okay.
0: Nice. All right,
1: yeah, Guru Maharaj.
3: Happy World.